All right. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus this weekend. It's the most exciting thing we can accelerate. Amen? Are you excited about that? So I'm going to take a little break from our series on, um, <coughs> pardon me, from our series uh, on the mysteries to just kind of focus on Resurrection Sunday. This is going to be uh, basic, yet I hope encouraging and practical and uh, joyful, even though we're talking about dying. Amen? All right. Well, uh, let's jump in. You can feel free to pull the notes out if you want and follow along, or you can just wing it. We had one guy that used to draw pictures of me while I uh, <laughs> preached. Uh, he was actually pretty good. Uh, so whatever works for you, that's good. Uh, we just want to give you notes so you can go back and look these things up later and make sure I'm not making stuff up. Amen? All right. So I want to start with 1 Corinthians 15, the first four verses, where Paul, uh, it's probably the most concise presentation of the gospel in the New Testament. And we see that it has two essential components. And so we're going to look at that. Um, but uh, before that, I'm going to hit the first two verses just to get the evangelists excited, okay? There we go. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. This is it. This is the good news. Here's what's coming. Which I preached to you. The gospel has to be preached, right, David? Amen. <laughs> Romans 10 deals with that. How can they hear unless it's preached? Amen. So, which I preach to you, which you also received. It doesn't matter if the gospel was preached to you unless you receive it. The gospel has to be received. It has to find good soil to grow fruit in. Amen? And so, if someone has preached the gospel to you, that didn't save you. You have to receive it. Not only do you have to receive it, he says, that which you also received and in which you stand by which you are saved. So you have to receive it, and you have to decide, yeah, that's truth. I'm going to step up on that and stand there. This gospel is what I'm standing on. That is what saves us. And not only do you have to stand on it, but it says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So you got to hold fast. you got to keep standing on it for the rest of your life. Amen? That's it. That's the gospel. And then... Uh, he explains to us very concisely the two components of the gospel. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's it. The two components of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Christ rose again from the dead. And what I want you to see this morning is that these things are always put together, almost always put together in the New Testament. We're going to look at a lot of verses where, these, where life and death are together in the passage because they're two sides of a coin. I love that Jesus died for our sins, but there's, it's no good if Jesus were still dead, right? We'd be reconciled to God and Jesus would be dead. But he rose from the dead so that we could have not only the forgiveness of sins, but also his resurrection life. And we need both of those components of the gospel. You can't just pick one or the other. They go together. They're two sides of a coin. And so um, 
this is all you need to know to be saved. If you don't understand what it means to be saved, to be born again, as John 3 says, it's this. It's just understanding that all of us have sinned, that heaven is a perfect place with a perfect God. Guess what the qualifications are to get in? Yep, perfection. You got it. Who qualifies on their own? Anyone? Yeah, me neither. Jesus, the perfect man, came and died in our place, taking our sins upon himself so that we can be made perfect by the blood of Jesus. And then he rose again, conquering death, so that we could have his resurrection life, his new life. That's the gospel. It's very easy. All you have to do to be saved is put faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you and to qualify you for heaven. Not hard. Now, does that mean life gets easy once you do that? No. The gospel is easy to accept, but life doesn't automatically become easy after that because these two components continue to work together, and that's what we want to see this morning. These two (coughs) essential components of the gospel, death and life, are not separate. They're actually working together, and not just once, They're working together for the rest of our lives. So we see this in Romans 4, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to look at Romans 4 and Romans 5, two places where we see the gospel uh, again in these two terms. Uh, And it's talking in context about the righteousness of Abraham, uh, which was by faith. Amen? So he says, it, the righteousness of Abraham, shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up, that's the cross, for our offenses, our sins, and was raised because of our justification. So we see again those two components. Jesus had to die so that our offenses could be erased by the blood of Jesus. But then once we were justified, he was raised because of our justification. As if God said, look, now they're okay to come to heaven, let's, let's give them resurrection life. Now that you've justified them, let's raise them from the dead. Let's bring them up here. Awesome, right? We see it again in Romans 5. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. The death of Jesus reconciles us because our sins are forgiven. That's what the torn veil was about. Hey, you can come on in now because you're holy by the blood of Jesus, so you can enter the holy of holies, right? So uh, if we were then enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Again, we see the death and life together. That is what the graves opening up was about. The, The torn veil was about being reconciled to God. The graves opening up was about being, uh, overcoming death, being introduced to resurrection life, new life. We get them both. You see that both sides of the coin continually expressed in the gospel. And what we see for ourselves is that we must embrace both components of the gospel continually at work in us. Here's what I mean by that. No one here this morning is going to have any trouble if I say, you have been given newness of life in Jesus. You need to embrace that. That is at work in you. You're going to get excited about that. We sing songs about that, right? But if I say the death of Jesus, you need to embrace that on a daily basis. That's at work in you. Now you go, huh, how's that work? 
but they go together. And this is what I want you to see this morning as we go through this. In fact, I'll show you here in the scripture. Again, uh, so you don't think I'm making it up. Uh, the easiest place to see this is in Romans 6, verses 4 and 5. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So we're baptized, buried with him, so that we can walk in newness of life. Now that sounds like a one-time thing, but we'll keep looking. All right? So it's, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So if we want, how many of you want to be in the likeness of his resurrection? What's the condition? The likeness of his death. It says, if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, then we will be united in the likeness of his resurrection. You see how they go together. And of course, water baptism, the death to ourselves, deciding to live for Jesus, is that one time once for all, I've died to myself, I'm going to live for Christ. But I want you to see that it's also an ongoing thing. Look at Paul's prayer in Philippians 3. Paul says, he prays that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I've told you before, I used to love this prayer, but I, I, I like to stop right there. I would say, God, I want, to, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. And I know there's some other stuff, but I'm not going to pray it. Right? Paul went ahead and prayed, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul saw his attaining to resurrection life passing through conforming to the death of Christ. Do you get that? He saw them together. Now, let me, <coughs> pardon me, qualify this. I don't think Paul was praying for suffering, and I don't think you need to either. I don't think, I think you'll get it whether you pray for it or not. Right? Just walking in the earth, especially if you're living for Jesus. Paul wasn't praying for more suffering. He was praying for the fellowship of Jesus in his suffering. He was praying that his suffering wouldn't be wasted that it would cause him to be conformed to the death of Christ because somewhere in learning to suffer in fellowship with Jesus, it would cause him to attain to the resurrection life that was in Christ. It's the fellowship that I bolded and I underlined. That's what we're after, not more suffering. You're going to get suffering anyway, but why suffer without the fellowship of Jesus? Amen? Why not include him and involve him in that? So that's what we're after. And so we see that resurrection life requires death. Now, it's right there in the Word, right? If you tell someone, hey, I've been resurrected, they're going to go, well, when did you die? Because if you just go, hey, I'm alive, they go, yeah, sure, so am I. Resurrection implies there was a death first, and you were brought back to life. And so we got to see that if we want to walk in resurrection life, well, it, it requires death. And uh, this is an ongoing death, a death we need to not just embrace once. It's not just I was baptized, now I'm dead, and Christ lives in me. It's a daily thing. It's an ongoing thing until we get our new bodies, which I talked about last week. You can look into that later. So for 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, I love this verse. 
He says, for Paul again, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. It's for Jesus' sake. We're being delivered to death. It just keeps happening. Why does this keep happening, Paul? He says, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. Do you see what Paul understood? That our being delivered to death, our going through deaths in our walk through this life is producing in us the life of Jesus somehow, the resurrection life of Jesus. And if we can grasp that, if we can grasp that uh, resurrection life comes out of death, it changes the way we look at all of our deaths. You understand? Romans 8 says it, again, pretty clearly, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. Now, I don't think, I mean, if we're talking about literally killed, that can really only happen once a day, right? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then tomorrow you're good, because you're gone. Uh, so he's obviously not talking, he's either talking about the church in general, uh, or he's obviously not talking about all of this literally being dying. Uh, it can, I want you to understand we're talking about a range here. For all of my purposes this morning, we're talking about a wide range of dying. It can be literally facing life and death situations. It can be just facing disappointment or discouragement. Anything that is a big or little death in your life qualifies here if we involve Jesus in it. So he says... Um, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You guys remember that? Same way Jesus was. That's just our lot. Uh, the world just goes, well, Christians, we can, we can pick on them. They won't fight back. Uh, they're not like other religions. God told them to turn the other cheek, so let's slap them around. Right? That's real. We're sheep for the slaughter. And then he goes on. He says, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we have to decide, are we really going to believe that death produces resurrection life, that it's required? Um, when we're killed all day long, it's really the word that Rachel just shared right at the end of worship there, that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. It's a choice of what our focus is going to be. Are we going to focus about on how we're killed every day and all day long we're dying and we're dying and they're just treating us and it's unfair just because we're Christians and this and that and the other? Or are we going to focus on Jesus who made us more than conquerors through the cross Amen. and through the resurrection? Do you understand what it means to be more than a conqueror? It means we get everything he has because he conquered and we just say, I'll take that too. I'll put faith in you, Jesus, and I get all your conquering for free because you paid it all. Right? Now listen, this isn't just a doctrinal issue. This is a focus issue because the world wants to tell you you're a victim. You're a victim. All of you here are victims. And go, just go home, turn your TV on, and... Uh, you'll get lots of opportunity to be a victim, right? Go watch the news. Pick your, pick your thing. You can be a victim. I love how uh, the world wants to present as all these strong, confident victims. 
right? You got to pick one. You're either more than a conqueror or you're a victim. I'm telling you guys, it's so easy. There's a, there's a pleasure in being a victim. There's an excuse in being a victim. If I'm a victim, I don't have to embrace death. It's someone else's fault. Right? There's an allure. That's why it's so popular in the world. That's why it's such a big message out there. You're a victim. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Right? <coughs> Pardon me. So you have to decide in this what your focus is going to be, what your mindset is going to be. So I want to talk about three mindsets that I think we need to develop if we're going to walk in resurrection life, which includes embracing death with Jesus. Amen? All right, let's look at these. A lot of scripture today. The first is that death comes before life. You don't get saved and go, woohoo, resurrection life from here on out. There's going to be some dying preceding that life. The dying comes first. All right? So here we go. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, if anyone who hears anyone, I should see a lot more hands. Good. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What's that talking about? Denying yourself, taking up your cross. What's a cross for? Dying. Right. If we're going to follow Jesus, he says, we have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. There's going to be some dying involved. He goes on, he says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. Now that sounds confusing. How do I find life by losing it? Well, we know from reading the rest of the New Testament that he's talking about your life in the world versus your life in him. If you need to hang on to your life in the world, you're going to lose the eternal life, the resurrection life that's in him. But if you're willing to let go of your life in the world, you will acquire the resurrection life, the eternal life that's in him. That's all that means, right? And so he calls us to lose this life for his life. To get his resurrection life, there has to be a death to this life. We see this in really clearly in John chapter 12. <coughs> he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces, underline produces, it produces much grain. He who loves life will lose it, but he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, death is supposed to produce something if you're alive, if, there, if you're fruit, if you're good seed. Your death always should produce something. Anytime you put a seed in the ground and it dies, what happens next? There's growth. There's more than what you put in the ground. It produces. If we do this right, all of our deaths should be productive. All of our big deaths, all of our little deaths. They should produce the life of Jesus. Because remember, at the end of this verse, isn't just, it's not just tough it out, you're dead. The end of this verse is eternal life. 
the end goal is life. We're getting life out of this. We just pass through death to get there. We just get planted in the soil. We fall to the ground to get there. Do you understand what that passage is saying? Okay, good. So, death before life. We have to embrace this. Now, here's the hard part. Death is a choice. You don't have to. I mean, you get baptized and you go, I chose death. I'm living for Jesus. And then next week, something happens and you go, I'm not choosing that death. I'm fighting that one. I'm going down kicking and screaming. Right? So we have to keep choosing death. It's not a one-time thing. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I love this verse. And we pray this verse and we go, all things have become new. Have all things become new? Only if old things have passed away. You understand? It's not automatic. Gary, a couple weeks ago, talked about offenses. Are offenses new things or old things? Old things. So how can you walk in newness of life if you've got an old offense you're still carrying around? Can you have that old offense and newness of life? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You can't keep your old things and get new things. That's just the way the kingdom works. You've got to let the old things pass away. Sometimes we are frustrated because we aren't experiencing resurrection life, but we're not willing to let go of old things and let them die. Old offenses, old sins, old habits, old doctrines, old whatever, old character. Well, that's just the way I am. I've been this way my whole life. Well, it's not the way Jesus is. Be different. Right? You're not going to be that way in eternity. Might as well start now. We're learning to be like Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You see how both those things are in that passage? How many of you, like me, have... have have read that passage and just gone, all things are new, and forgotten, oh, dang it. Old things got to pass away for me to get to all things new. It's got to happen. Romans 6, <clears throat> verse 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who hears from the South can tell me what reckon means? Is it automatic? No, what's he talking about? He's talking about a mindset. He's talking about making a choice to account myself dead to some things so that I can be alive to other things. Life and death, the cross and the resurrection. So we're continually choosing the cross so that we can continually experience the resurrection life that is in Jesus. And we call that reckoning. I reckon I'm dead to that. Well, that offense... Man, that's, that's really, I, I don't know, I, I try, I, I asked God, I told him I forgave, but every time I think about it, I just get angry. Well, you're going to have to start reckoning different. That's right, that's right. You're going to have to start reckoning you're dead to that. That thing's going to have to die. That thing's going to have to pass away if you want new life. If you want old life, just go ahead. 
With me? All right, here's the good part, the third mindset. I told you, we were looking at, let me find the passage, um, in John 12, that we're talking about a grain of wheat falling to the ground. If it dies, it produces. I told you that as Christians, all of our deaths, big and small, should be producing something. So the key is to look for the fruit that death is producing the resurrection life of Jesus. Don't get focused on the death. Let's look for the fruit. In other words, God, I'm going through death here. What are you doing? What fruit are you producing? What life are you trying to bring out of me? I want to focus on that, not just toughing it out and enduring the dying. I want to focus on the resurrection life that you're taking me to. Here's the passage for that. It's a long passage, but we're going to finish up with this. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at the first 13 verses. First, uh, this is all familiar to you, but you may not have put it all together in one thing. So we'll see. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the Hebrews 11 faith guys, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that was set before us. So he's just talking about that thing we've been talking about, laying aside all the stuff that's passing away, all the stuff that's dying, and, be, and enduring, running forward towards Jesus. And then verse 2, the important part, looking unto Jesus, that should be our focus. The author, and, and some of your translations will say fixing your eyes on Jesus. So it's a very focused looking, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what I'm trying to tell you guys. We don't just endure death as we go through life and tough it out just because we're Christians and we're tough. We do it for the joy set before us. Do you hear what the writer of Hebrews is saying? He says, look, as you're doing this, look at Jesus and remember how he did it. He had a joy set before him. He endured his death because he was already looking forward at the resurrection. He was, always, he was fixed on the joy set before him. So we need to, in every one of our deaths, big or small, go, God, set joy before me. Where are we headed in this? What is this death producing in me? He goes on to talk about how some of this might be producing. He says, For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I've been there. You ever been there? We're in I have had enough of this. I'm going on vacation in June for two weeks. I'm already thinking about it. <laughs> right? Worry and discouraged. What do we do when we're worrying and discouraged? We'll consider Jesus, how he did it, how he set joy before him while he was enduring. <coughs> it says, you have not yet resisted bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, sons and daughters. So he reminds us that we're not just enduring here, we're also being trained up as children of God. It says, so some of this might not just be uh, you're going through hard things because that's just life. Some of it is. Some of it is purposeful. God's after something. God's producing. Let's see what he's producing. Says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him for the Lord, whom the Lord loves, 
he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Do you understand that some of your death is an expression of God's love for you? Do you get that? Some of the dying you're doing is an expression of God's love for you because he's doing something in you, just like he did in his son Jesus. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, all of which, I'm sorry, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Uh, if you want to have a real easy life, if you're hoping that you get saved and life will get easy, the only way that's going to happen is if God says, okay, but you're really not my kid. Because all my kids get trained. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subject to the Father of spirits and live? What's the ultimate goal of whatever God is doing in your life? Life. Now, some of the death in your life is God. Not all of it. Some of it is God and his love, but what's the end goal in it? Life. Because death, we pass through death to get to resurrection life. So we got to remember, this is love, and the goal, his goal is to produce life in me, not just to kill me. He's not just seeing how much I can take. He's producing his life in me. For they indeed, for a few days, chastens us as seems best to them, but he, for our profit. Why? For our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. You're being changed. You're being made different. You're being conformed to the image of Christ. You're being made a partaker of his holiness. He's making you look like him. Amen. It just looks like death. But it, if you hang in there and get joy set before you, it will eventually look like resurrection life because he's making you a partaker of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Duh. Right? Uh, how many of your kids get really excited when you're going to spank them? Yeah. It's not joyful of the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What's he after? Fruit. A seed dies falls to the ground, it produces fruit. The death in our life, God wants to use to produce fruit. He wants to train us by it. It can end up in resurrection life. And if we can get this mindset, we can go through deaths a lot more joyfully than we have. Amen? Now he finishes up in verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. So he's going back to that theme of being weary and discouraged, you know, feeble knees, hands hanging down. You get the picture, right? I love Jesus. I'm a victory in Jesus. <laughs> right? Everybody been there? Okay. He says, well, strengthen that. Well, how do I do that? Make straight paths for your feet. Find Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Walk that way. That's straight at him. Make a straight path toward Jesus. Well, what will happen then? Well, your feet won't be lame. What is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. You'll start getting healed. 
you'll start not having hands that hang down and feeble knees. You'll start having strength from the Lord. You'll start experiencing resurrection life. You understand what this whole passage is saying. So what I'm after here is that we would identify the joy set before us so that we could die more joyfully. Because we're going to die anyway. Now, <coughs> pardon me. I am not suggesting that all of your death in your life is God. Some of it is the devil, and that's his job. Some of it is people who work for the devil. Don't get specific there. Some of it's just life. We live in a fallen world, and it rains on the just and the unjust. If you're getting rained on, it's because you're just outside with the rest of us. You understand? So not all of this death is from God. Some of it is. Some of it is designed to grow us. Not all of it is. But here's the thing. All of it falls under Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to our, those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, it might not all be from God, but he'll use any of it to produce life in us. Any death. Even if it's just from the devil or from mean people that live around you or in your house. Can produce resurrection life in you if you'll set joy before you. If you go, God, what are we after here? Where can I get some fruit out of this? Where can I get the right mindset? Where can I get some resurrection life out of this? God, I don't want to just go through this suffering with endurance. I want the fellowship of your suffering. I want your fellowship in this, God, like Paul prayed. How do I do this? Lord, I don't want to die and miss the opportunity to get life out of it. I don't want to just die because that's life. I want to get your life out of it while I'm doing it. Why waste this opportunity, God? I had this jerk killing me. Uh, why don't I get something good out of it? Why don't I fix my eyes on Jesus? Why don't I embrace the death this is causing in me? Maybe I'll get some resurrection life out of it. Maybe I'll get some fruit of the Spirit or some more fruit of the Spirit that I didn't have. All right? We get real excited about the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is just as essential. Amen. In fact, yes. in my experience, I want to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ with the gifts of the Spirit. I think Jesus demonstrated that healing the sick is an effective witness. But in my experience, the fruit of the Spirit is even more effective. Yes. It blows people's minds when they hate you and you love them back. Amen? But to do that, you got to embrace death. And you got to have the joy set before you that there might be some life in this. Amen? Are you with me? All right, so hopefully uh, that's encouraging because we're all going to get a little bit of death along the way and ultimately a lot of death. But why not get the life of Jesus out of it? That's the design. Amen? All right, let's have, uh, let's have the band back up, because here's what I want to do. Uh, first, well, uh, as we get back into worship, yeah, uh, come on up, guys. As we get back into worship, I want to, uh, as soon as they start playing, I want to invite the ministry team to be up front, 
and you guys can come get prayer for anything at all. Uh, if you just, you want healing, you want somebody to pray for you, that's awesome, come get prayer. But I want to uh, identify two things especially. If you're here this morning, then you haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't put your faith in Him, in His work on the cross to save you, and you want eternal life, and you're willing to give Him your life so that you can have His eternal life, just come up and have somebody pray for you. They will help you. They will walk you through that. Get born again. Get saved this morning. This is a good day to do that. Also, if you're realizing, hey, I got some death going on in my life I am not taking opportunity with. Uh, I, could be, I could be gaining something in this. I want some prayer. I want somebody to agree with me in prayer. I want someone to help me to, to get a joy set before me in this death that I'm currently experiencing. Come, have them pray with you. All right? And otherwise, I have liberty. Uh, you can just come up and worship. You can have people pray for you out there. You can, you know, dance in the aisles and scream. I really don't care. Uh, just get what Jesus has for you this morning. We are celebrating his resurrection life, which he is continually holding out to us. We just have to embrace death to get it. Amen?